0: What is your history
1: with crypto? Uh, buckle up because it's it's gonna be a little bit of a <laughs> My a story does not have a buckle.
0: I was the I one. needed a buckle.
1: <laughs> the next episode, you need a buckle.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: So like, what was so Bitcoin was around 2009 or so ish. Yeah, like, I looked this when up. When did you January first start thinking about it? Like, when did when did it start to like become something you you were following?
1: Right, so I mean, I knew about Bitcoin when it launched. Uh, I thought it was really interesting, but i i I was just busy learning how to be a web developer. like I didn't really dive into that um, right into that territory at all at that point. You know, I kind of kept tabs on it because it was interesting to me, but I never really never really thought I was gonna do anything with it um but around two thousand and fifteen, my brother. Uh, caught wind. Who's in the tech industry? Caught mm-hmm. wind of a coin called the Ethereum. Uh, that was, I believe, it came out in 2015. Maybe it came out in 2014, but it was very new then. Um, so, so this is so
2: still pretty. Much, this was still a long time after Bitcoin. Like so, this right, was, Bitcoin was probably way after Bitcoin. Through probably three to five thousand, somewhere in that range.
1: Yeah, Bitcoin had was, gone
2: through a couple surges and tanks at that point.
1: I think at that point, yeah. I think at that point, it was hovering around two thousand. Um, okay. But it it had hit its surge of like five thousand apiece at that point. But and it was it probably kind of come and gone.
0: Yeah, it was probably also the fact that because Ethereum was newer, it was easier to mine coins. Certainly, oh, you better believe yeah. it. Yeah, much easier. So, more than just, but the, what but it was more worth. so
2: the, the idea that Bitcoin at this point feels it had gone through some ups and downs already. There was some semblance of staying power, and now all these other coins are. I mean, I know they've sort of always been altcoins, but it became a big deal. And Ethereum and Litecoin were really the ones to kind of lead the way in the second Don't forget coins.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, Dogecoin. Well, Doge, Dogecoin was a joke, and it turned out to actually be something. Um, There's a lot yeah, of so money in that, no, Dogecoin. There is a lot of money in Dogecoin. $2, which is two billion dollar
0: market cap
1: it's ins- it's insane it's absolutely yeah. insane but no you're you're right ryan like ethereum uh and litecoin uh paved the way uh for alt altcoins and stuff because i mean bitcoin established it it was pretty much of like hey this isn't going anywhere whether or not it's going to be like financially stable is really up for debate but it's certainly the tech isn't going away anytime soon right. it's actually improving and doing things and you know like you said the rise and the, the surgence of Ethereum made like and Litecoin really, really established that. So my brother caught wind of my brother caught wind of Ethereum and was kind of messing around on his own computers and he lived out in California uh and it was just he created a miner, like a single GPU rig at home just to try it out, just to see. At this point Ethereum is 12 cents uh an ether. Like it's it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And with his own rig, he's able to get a lot of blocks of ethereum just by himself uh he had one graphics card in there and it was it was next to nothing it was a spare that he had lying around so he you know he tinkers with this idea and then he thinks about like well how can i build a a bigger rig and stuff like that and he ends up making a, a machine that has six graphics cards on it he's actually earning a lot of money off of it and continuously mining quite a bit makes a second one and then starts getting noise complaints from the neighbors because it's so damn hot (laughs) and so damn loud. And so I was
2: gonna say even that early on, does does it feel financially lucrative? Like do doesn't do the numbers really add up where this even in the early stages you're like or your brother was like, this is it's something, whether it's beyond a hobby, like this is really what I need to think about.
1: It was it was enough to catch his interest because just judging by how, because Bitcoin had already paved the way for this, right? He knew this was early. And if this coin went anywhere, I mean, absolutely anywhere, even if it went to a dollar a piece, it was financially sound for him to run these machines. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: At, so at that time, it was even with the power that it was taking up, it was right. more than break even.
1: Right, even at California's ridiculous electricity rates, it was break even at least, and he knew it was going to go to over a dollar a piece at some point. So mm-hmm. he he you know was like, all right, well, screw it, I'll, you know, I'm willing to drop a couple hundred, if not a thousand, on electricity bills to get this up and running. But he gets noise complaints, and he's talking to me on the phone about it one day, and I was like, well, send it in my house, like I I have a basement, you know, and electricity is <laughs> half the cost here as it is in California, so. He did. Uh, he shipped over these giant crates of these machines, uh, of the two of them, I assembled them in my basement, and then built uh, a computer for myself with two graphics cards on it, and we had our own little uh, Ethereum mining operation in the basement. We ended up adding a whole other rig, so in total we had, what was it, 20, about 20 graphics cards, yeah, um, and I, I owned about half of the, the newest one, so I owned like five total, And we just let it run for a year. Uh, You know, I would go down and do updates when I could. And sometimes it would be off for like a month straight, which like now I really, really regret, but whatever, um, because I didn't (laughs) have time for it. So we let it run for a year. Yeah.
2: So at this point, I'm trying to think of the timeline, because I, I, like I said, I'm certainly late to the game. I remember it becoming a massive deal probably two years later and that's yes. when i started hearing like the hodl people the people who without really knowing the underlying principles were buying into the fact the blockchain chain and altcoins were the future because it's on an upward trajectory not because the tech actually made sense like correct our, Do, do you also find yourself at this time, like buying into the hype of it more? Like, cause it's, it's basically at this point, it's still just always going up. Like it's almost never going down substantially. Right.
1: Well, yeah. So this was actually even before the hype hit. That's the crazy thing. So I, I was able to mine for about a year on my own, um, like right before the hype really hit. So I had a good establishment beforehand and had a bit of ethereum kicking around so does it even
2: feel like there's a community or like are you doing it so this just purely like the pennies and the dimes that you're earning work out to be it's better than nothing and it's paying plus a little bit so it's worthwhile
1: right well yeah that's exactly it It was when i was doing it i would notice and check my account and be like oh i got a block and then be like i got sixty dollars like that's pretty freaking cool and my brother was paying my electric my electricity bill because they were his machines mostly, and so it was kind of a favor to keep him up and running, and he would pay my electricity. So for me, it was all free. Um, okay. And so I just said screw it, and he he honestly convinced me. He was like, "Trust me, Ethereum's going to be like a hundred dollars a piece someday, and you're going to be like, oh my god, I'm so glad I did that." And so I <laughs> I you know he was really kind of the only person that was egging me on for the whole situation, which is great. You know, I'm glad he did it. But yeah, this is, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was any community. I mean, like I said, yeah. like when I, when I started Ethereum was like $5 a piece. And then I saw it go up to 12 for like, you know, for a long time. And it went back down to like eight and I was like, I don't know if I should even be doing this. Like, this is just, maybe I'm nuts. Maybe this is a waste of my time. Um, right. but there was nothing, there was nothing online. There was certainly a waste using- of
0: electricity.
1: It's certainly a waste of electricity. There's nobody using Ethereum for anything. There was no even announcements about the tech doing anything, but so, it was there.
0: Were you... Well, this is before you actually made a business of it. Right. This is, this is,
1: Yeah, I'm getting there. Sorry.
0: okay. Yeah. Well, can I ask a question? Yeah. So are you... This might become more applicable when you actually have a business and you can talk to it, but... Are you or your brother at this point taking any money, exchanging any Ethereum out to U.S. money dollars to, like, pay for any of these costs, costs of new machines, cost of electricity?
1: No. Um, okay. And actually, at the time, I couldn't. There... At this point, Ethereum still was not tradable on anything. There was one platform that you could trade it in for Bitcoin and you could trade the Bitcoin in for USD, but you suffered a fee on both transactions. Right. So right. it was like, dude, don't like, unless you're selling everything, don't even think about it. It was ridiculous. Um, and that was Poloniax was the platform at that point because they had like everything on there. Uh, they just didn't care. So Coinbase didn't even have Ethereum. Coinbase was hardly a thing at this point. And this is,
2: yeah.
1: this is early 2016, um, like spring of 2016. And then and then Coinbase announced that they would be trading it, trading Ethereum. And they would offer wallets for it. And that sparked a huge part of the boom. And then, you know, it was just, I, I don't know what caused the phenomena of this cryptocurrency boom, but I, I'd certainly excited about it and happy about it. Um but yeah it, it Ethereum started blowing up and it started hitting prices of like sixty, eighty dollars, a hundred dollars a month. And that, at that point I was like, oh or not a month, uh in Ether. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, my brother was right. Like he was absolutely right. Like I can't I can't believe it. I fucking struck gold. And uh and then we we rode it out and we were trying to catch the waves and see like, all right, when do we sell out? Do we even sell out? And I I was my goal was to sell out because I didn't really care too much in it. I spent a thousand three hundred dollars on my machine parts and uh like that was it. So I was I just wanted my money back was essentially it. Right. I put it on a fucking credit card because I couldn't afford it, but I knew that it was gonna turn into something someday, hopefully. And if not, then a thousand three hundred dollars really is not that much to lose. So um yeah i i wanted to cash out for it and at that point it started hitting 150 200 300 and i eventually sold all of my ethereum at roughly 380 dollars a piece um
2: oh and,
1: wow so you sold yeah, at the and,
0: highest highest point then no basically. at that
1: at that time yes i actually i caught the wave i i think it went up to like 385 but like i caught the the Apex of the wave oh, yeah, the before it came wave. crashing down. Of the first okay. wave, of the first okay. Okay. crazy one. And it was and everybody knew that it wasn't over though, because that first wave sparked such a huge like rush of miners. And so I sold out then and sold out. I I mean at the time I had fifty-eight Ethereum. I I I what I put in was a thousand five hundred or a thousand three hundred and I walked away with fifteen grand. It was insanity. Um and so I went and took that fifteen grand. And then my brother cashed out like eh, like a quarter of the Ethereum he had, and um just to pay back, you know, what he put into it and then also have some pocket change. And we spoke to one of our friends who's an investor and said, "All right, let's build a business around this because we had thought about it beforehand. We thought about, Buying a warehouse out in Washington and <laughs> the buying all these machines. The business plan is build
0: machines and mine Ethereum. That's the entire, is that the business plan or that, is there that's, something more than that?
1: Originally our business idea was, and this was, this was still 2015, 2016 that my brother and I were talking about this, was to create a online platform that people could buy mining power so we would own all the machines or they would own a machine and they would pay us rent and utilities and maintenance fees for having it running in our facility. And yeah. we were going to buy, we scoped out a warehouse over in Washington, uh, next to where Google and Amazon and Microsoft host a bunch of servers. Electricity rates are the cheapest there in the country. Cause it's like hydroelectric or something. That's exactly right. It's, it's really close to power sources. And also it's just, cheap like it's nobody's out there it's industrial in that area so we we scoped it out and we looked at it and we looked at the business plan of like how much we're going to need for it and then how much we're going to need for these computers and all this good stuff and that was our intent was to create basically an online platform that people could you know use and buy mining power through and then just be paid out via rewards of the crypto um and the pricing of this this
0: was because you could rent GPUs from Amazon. This was six. This was much cheaper.
1: This was our idea. Was going to be much cheaper because it was it, you'd basically own a percentage of a machine rather than rent one. Um,
0: okay, got
1: it. Right. So like you, you had a stake in the game, and you know yeah. if it failed or whatever, that's the maintenance fees. That's like on us as a company, and we'd take a small percentage of the cut, but we'd also make your machine the most efficient thing possible. And there's no you know, there's no real overhead, you know, we're not turning a profit off of like off of the rental fee or anything like that. Like it's, you know, the more power we have, the better we do. So that 1% fee that we take is just better. Uh, the more things we have coming in and the more machines. So yeah, that was, that was our original idea. But then when we realized, that was probably
2: around for me, like I said, I'm still pretty late on a lot of this stuff, but I think it was around that time early to mid 2017 yeah if i have my dates right that i the news started getting bigger and i started seeing more of that stuff i started seeing renting stuff there were places in like sweden and norway that had these areas these whole things that you would rent rows you could rent basically like arrays of of gpu mining kits and Ebay was selling all the like there were these custom things that were getting built. I forget what they were calling ant eater ant something. Yeah, there's yeah. some kind of Bitcoin ones that were like pre-built and you could buy on. Well, Butterfly
0: was one of the yeah yeah. Ones. So those were but nuts.
2: When I started seeing the services that you would basically like buy server sets, that I started at least piqued my interest. At that point, it was also kind of too expensive for me to want to buy in. So this was probably later than what you guys are talking about a little bit. But like hearing that that you could like buy into a thing. You could buy a machine for fifteen hundred dollars off site that would run its own stuff. You would right. buy into the pool of mining. I think even this point it was it was lower coins. We were more thinking like um was it Monero so, stuff like that? Yeah.
1: Man, yeah, um, we actually mined Monero uh for a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that was the point where I, I think I started to see that there's an industry behind it. In some ways, that's more than just gambling on if coins are going to work out or not. And then you start seeing more, um, more companies that are using blockchain in like data and security reasons beyond just creating a crypto algorithm that is releasing coins. And that you know, I'm still a big proponent that the blockchain itself has an incredible amount of potential, and we haven't even gotten close to what it's going to mean for like distributed files and security and stuff like that but from a coin perspective like i think that's when the hype like you know kicked up to 10.
1: yeah that was you're absolutely right it was early actually it was middle of 2017 uh it was june 20 of 17 because that's when i sold everything uh was when the hype really started hitting and yeah you're right you could see those services you could do those things um and it became an ecosystem it actually became like an economic ecosystem of just crypto. So I sold everything and reinvested. We got an investor in and we gathered up a couple of other small time investors and found a warehouse close to where I live out. You know, it's about 15 minutes away. Uh, We found a warehouse and we, my dad is an electrician, thankfully, and went and wired the place so that way we could optimize, you know, every last inch of what we have to run these machines, and it took us a long time of configuration to figure out how to get cooling to work properly uh, and to get the AC unit running properly and everything. We actually had the landlord install an AC unit. Our, our unit was a1,000 square feet, and we had them install an AC unit that was meant for an eight thousand square foot warehouse. And <laughs> it still was about 90, 95, 98 degrees in there uh, on some like on an average fall day roughly it was It was absolute madness um
2: so d- did you get any pushback from like the landlord or the electricity or anything like that, or were they more just either didn't care or were too oblivious
1: i surprisingly not uh like I could tell that the landlord was like iffy about just what we were doing um mm-hmm. and i actually i had some neighbors you know some people on the sides of us poke their heads in every once in a while because like they were curious what we were doing um one of them was really nice and so i showed him the inside and stuff like that and he was like i just don't even i don't even know what this is like this is (laughs) baffling to me um so people were definitely freaked out by it but i mean it wasn't bad we didn't receive pushback and as far as electricity uh is concerned i i actually had 10 machines running in my basement as well still uh which was wired out so i had I had 35 machines running in the warehouse and 10 in my basement of my house, which was extremely loud and extremely hot. But the electricity and rates how were How much nuts.
0: Ethereum, like altogether, was that generating then? Uh,
1: well, at our high point, we had 7.4 giga hashes a second, um, which is a lot uh, for a small time operation like us. Almost um, enough to travel also, back in time. <laughs> but we, you know, when we started and got our operation up and running, things were great. Uh things were absolutely amazing. We ended up getting, I mean, we generated enough that in one month I think we earned close to $20,000 worth of Ethereum. I don't remember how much Ethereum it was or what the price was, but I do remember yeah. that we had a positive month of $20,000. And that was after insanity. expenses
0: or just all after, of the Ethereum?
1: After expenses. Okay. Our rent was, wow. you know, thousand two hundred and our electricity bills were, you know, I think my house was roughly eight or nine hundred because I, I had a Ooh. unlimited electricity contract. I
0: it would have been more, Jesus.
1: It it was almost double. And then they hate you, you know, so much a foolish company offered unlimited electricity for super cheap. Uh, yeah. And this was before the crypto bubble. So I signed up for that contract and they were pissed about it. They gave me several calls to ask me to switch over, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> You're like,
0: I know my rights.
1: <laughs> they signed a contract. I mean, that's, you know, they didn't have the foresight. They didn't follow the news. So like, guess what, yeah, you know, yeah. residential electricity is ain't cheap. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we were rocking for a while and about three or four months in uh, and we mined ethereum specifically but my so brother point, and i no sorry go ahead
2: oh i was gonna say, so at this point you said things are amazing and it's Basically, it's, because I, things are trajectory, like the price is almost evergreen going up. You're like
0: bouncing on a bed of right. GPUs. At, and like at this point,
2: were you it. still building the platform? Like, did you think that you still had to build the service or was the money just coming in? So you kind of had dollar signs in your eyes and you're like, this is easy and it's just coming in freely. We, we
1: abandoned the service platform uh, pretty quickly. Like it was our intent to basically get the operation up and running and then make enough money to reinvest into that service platform and everything Mm -hmm. but the amount of time it took to get everything up and running and keep it running was absurd uh especially from i was the only person doing this mind you our one our and my brother lives in california and our other investor his wife was due like four weeks after we like signed the llc agreement for the company, so <laughs> Dude, I it was, have a
0: great business plan for you if you're going to do all the work.
1: Right now, that's ex- that's exactly what it is, um, <laughs> mind you. Granted, I was compensated in the beginning for I was given several rigs uh, as a thank you for my work, and which was nice because I got to basically own a larger percentage of the company for having a smaller amount of investment funds.
0: Um, right. But I just want to know. I just want to tell everybody I do not accept payment in the form of mining rigs yeah no that's or that cryptocurrency i still
1: i still would accept crypto <laughs> not so for can all I, my freelance can I ask work a question? so um
0: sure the uh that month that you had the 20 grand positive did it continue several months after that in like a, you know a decent amount of like this is a lot of money profit
1: it was it was about three or four months uh of like, this is a insane amount of profit. And granted, this was all distributed in crypto, mind you. We would distribute it out, you know, to our, we would pay our expenses and we'd distribute it out to our stakeholders and shareholders, which is just a, a handful of small individuals who owned one rig a piece or whatever. Um, and then, you know, and we would get our cut of everything and it came in crypto and I would either hang on to it or I'd sell it and we'd sell off the amount of crypto needed as well just to pay expenses too. Okay. But yeah, the, you know, the trajectory was like month one was, I think, a negative like $2,000 month or whatever. But we knew like we were still getting started and stuff. Month two was like a positive like four or $6,000. Month three was like a positive 12. And month four was a positive 20. And at that point, I thought I was going to buy a Tesla. I thought I was going to buy a <laughs> Tesla in cash. <laughs> and I thought I was not going to have to work anymore um, after yeah. like six months of this shit. So it
0: happened to some of the Bitcoin people,
1: it did. Um, and here's the thing it honestly, granted, competition was rising a lot, but the price was still rising a lot, so that was okay. It was when Ethereum launched their difficulty spikes that it completely started to tank our business model. So, month difficulty five,
2: spikes, sorry, that's like when the algorithm gets triggered to be harder so instead of releasing i I don't know the terms specifically but instead of releasing 100 per new release wave it's now 20 per new release wave or whatever
1: just about yeah so ethereum had difficulty spikes that ramped up on month five for us which just made it harder to earn a coin which means yeah, was it more
0: hashes you needed? You
1: need yes, you needed more okay. power in order to earn something, pretty much. And so we we were still profitable, which was exciting, but it was not as good. And that it was not good because it kept getting worse. So right. we dwindled more and more and more. And about seven months in, they Ethereum released their uh difficulty reset or whatever it was. It was a it was a fork. Um no, I'm sorry, I don't think it was a fork. Uh but it was it was a major update to Ethereum to where they went from releasing five Ethereum a block at a very difficult level to three Ethereum a block at a not as difficult level, like the original difficulty of what Ethereum was in order to slow distribution of it. And that it was okay for about a month. Uh, so at and this then point,
2: are you, you're not even in like a pool or a network or anything where it, it distributes it. You're just like, if you crack the block, you get it. If not, you don't even, you're none the wiser because it's just, is that still the the say where it's like you, you either get it or you don't.
1: Right. If, if you're solo mining, you either got it or you didn't. We solo mined for about a month. And then at that point we discovered that like competition was just getting too nuts. You can't solo mine anymore unless you're a big dog of like. 200 giga hashes a second or so. Um, but we found a pool that didn't take a fee of our work. Uh, it was just simply to be a pool. Um, Mm -hmm. and we joined up on that and it paid out differently than others. Um, but it was, it was kind of cool. um, so, like you earned when you mined on the pool, you earned shares of of work pretty much, and then whoever had the most amount of shares as soon as the pool got a block, you got paid out that block in its entirety. um if you earned what is called an uncle, which is a it's a chance to basically find a secondary right answer to the math problem uh, to the you know mathematical mm-hmm. formula of the next block um But it eventually becomes stale. It eventually becomes unsolvable. So you've earned what's an uncle, which is partial credit. Um, It gives out anywhere from like 1 to 3.5 Ethereum. And uncles were randomly given out to any one person in the pool that was... No, wait. I'm sorry. No, I I have to back that up. Uncles were given out to whoever earned them. Um, So if you were next in line for the block and the pool got an uncle, guess what? You got that uncle, which was awesome especially awesome for once and occasionally you could get a double uncle which actually happened to us we got you know our normal block of five ethereum and then we got a 3.5 uncle and then we got a 1.85 uncle so like we just by chance we earned like an extra block which happened about once every five or four days at that point i think um so it was like extra four days worth of work for nothing it was great um but so going back to the difficulty spike, you know, Ethereum dropped from 5 to 3 per block and the difficulty did reset, so it was okay for a little bit, but then it started getting harder and harder again and also competition was rising exponentially. It started to become a point to where it's like we were we were our machines were already running, but they were starting to experience some failures, like any cards that you know, were going to have problems started having problems. We had The roof leak um, and because the landlord didn't the landlord didn't seal a pipe uh, from the old AC unit. So it was a direct pipe from upst, like through the roof into the warehouse. And it fried two full mining rigs, which at the time cost seven thousand dollars in total. Um, Granted, we were we were lucky that we were able to get those man. They were under warranty still and we were able to get those replaced. Uh, we had insurance and stuff, so it didn't go to the landlord, and we didn't tell him about it. But we told him to fix the fucking pipe, and he never did. Uh, so we had that happen, and rigs were dying like crazy. And a lot of the problems with rigs is that you can SSH into the network, so we had an SSH tunnel into there, um, and you can reset a machine if you know its IP address, which is fine. We had that on our monitoring systems and everything. But if the if one graphics card was off like it had a uh what was called like a gpu timeout error then the entire rig was unaccessible you had to physically reset the damn button on the machine if you wanted to restart it there was no way around it that was just the case so it was every day after work and after the kids went to bed that I would go out there and I just reset the machine. Sometimes I'd do it like right after work. If I worked from home, I would take it like four trips out there a day, like early in the morning because like things would keep resetting and stuff. It you was, could put
0: one of those switches on it and just like well, automate it.
1: Well, that's what I, that's what we invented was my brother invented. You invented called, a switch
0: with, with a timer on it?
1: It's not a timer. So <laughs> my, my brother went and, uh, He went and used um, fog computing software to allow, which I don't know, I need to back that up actually. My brother went and created his own, uh, what we called Squid, out of a Raspberry Pi and his own hardware uh, to basically allow for a normal power switch on a computer, but also have a bypass. So if you SSH'd into one of these Raspberry Pis, which was on the network so it was fine, then you could go and run a bash script, and we had them all branched out for each squid arm is what we called it, Uh, and you would run the bash script and it would hold down the power button physically uh, even though you were remotely away for however long you specified. and. It basically went from me having to go out there as many times as possible during a given day to I don't ever have to go out there unless something is actually broken. And that technology alone saved me, I don't even know how many hours and how much gas. It was absurd, but we looked into actually trying to sell those themselves um, because that was other other mining companies, even the big dogs. They have people on staff that literally just walk around and reset machines 24 seven. Like that's their job is to just walk around and hit power buttons. And this negated all of that. And so we were, he's actually really proud of it. They're brilliant machines. So
2: that's, crazy. we had those. It's yeah, so interesting we, to hear like along, like, cause like I said, for somebody who never was able to buy in when, you know, it was a good thing to buy into, it's so easy to look back and say that a lot of these people, not just you, but other people were buying in because there were money signs in their eyes. And it seemed like the sky was the limit. But at the same time, like psychologically, you guys are like thinking about creating this platform. And then you have this thing that you're like literally creating and you're getting some attention for it. You could potentially sell it. So it's all this like reaffirming, Uh, All this like reaffirming design going on in your heads that I imagine that is like, like, not only is Ethereum and what we're mining good, but we're also building on top of it. We're creating more than just the sum of its parts. Absolutely.
1: I know we we felt like at that point we were kind of actually connected to the ecosystem. I mean, we were a part of it uh and yeah you're right like it wasn't it, you know it was dollar signs in our eyes don't get me wrong the whole the whole time it was still like well this is paying off like we're still technically profitable and everything even during the bad times it still was dollar signs in our eyes um
0: but so yeah, did you, you never had, have a, an idea that okay this could be the highest point and it could crash like i i i've i'm interested in the business and the investment that you that you uh Uh, the investment opportunity you present to these investors.
1: Right. Um, And the investors were family and friends. Like, don't get me wrong, but the, the proof was what my brother and I had done. And that was, you know, the factor that we had put in such a small amount of money and we had returned 15 times our investment or 12 times our investment. And we felt like it could easily happen again. But we did know that at any given moment, it could all collapse. We would be stuck in this terrible situation and the whole thing could come crumbling down. And we anticipated and tried to find avenues of like, well, if we have to sell off our machine components, what are we going to do? Because, you know, we need to recoup the cost and stuff. And so we knew that it could, it could crash at any moment, but it certainly didn't feel like that. Um, especially given the way things were going.
0: All right. So are these investors, like you, you mentioned a little bit before they're investing in, they're basically getting a machine, or they're actually investing in this company and this company's profit and loss.
1: Uh, they were investing in a machine, so okay. it was it was kind of a a win win situation. Like we didn't take a percentage profit from them. You know, it was very much a like your family, your friends, like other people's brothers or you know their cousin or their old uh, investment partners and stuff like that. Like we allowed them the opportunity to buy a machine from us, and we would assemble and run it. But it was beneficial to us because the three of us, uh, my brother and our friend who is an investor, because it was just more mining power at our disposal. Um, So like the bigger we were, the more blocks we got naturally. So that's what we wanted to get. And they helped us fund that whole journey pretty much. It's not like they were substantial. Like we owned a majority of the machines. I think out of 45 of them, we owned like 38 you know uh okay. it's one person had three another had two another had two and then another had a half of one you know it wasn't much but
2: right yeah so at was this a- point was had you seen any any fallouts like had companies struggled yet i'm I'm trying to know re- rethink the timeline a little bit like other than just the growing pains of you know, servers fall like gpus falling over and stuff like that like there really hasn't been anything like Ethereum hasn't really even dropped. Like everything is just gaining more and more momentum.
1: Right. And so even though the difficulty was getting higher and we had less profitable months for various reasons, um, the price of Ethereum kept going up. So about six or seven months in, Ethereum was a thousand dollars a piece. Uh mm-hmm. this is right at the the end of twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen. And so crazily. at this point
2: what do you what do you do do you think about trying to like scale it even more to like hire people or are you we, just thinking about just buying like a fleet more servers or not servers but gpus and stuff to run we did yeah uh but it's also we
0: it's cost more i mean the uh Ethereum is worth more, but it's also much harder to mine. So you're actually making a huge amount more profit, right?
1: That's exactly right, yeah. And if we got lucky with uncles and stuff, then it was insanely more profitable, which was great, but we couldn't depend on those. Mm -hmm. So we actually turned um, personally uh, to other ways to utilize the crypto that we had at hand. Because we were mostly, I don't think any one of us was really selling our crypto uh much I probably sold the most of it out of anybody and even then I only sold a little bit. I sold some at $1000 a piece because that was a promise to myself of like I will I will cash right. out when it's that high just in order to recoup some credit cards and stuff that I had kicking around because I I wasn't going to be a fool about it, you know. I but I wasn't going to sell everything I had. And it was actually really interesting because while we were running this operation and stuff we were paying close attention to the trading platforms and the ecosystem of of crypto there and we discovered inconsistencies between trading platforms and some of them were slower than others to update the price and we actually performed man- arbitrage between platforms and that became also extremely profitable for us because we had large amounts of crypto that we would swing and it was enough to substantially you know line our pockets uh for a little so, bit there. So
2: can you w- w- kind of walk through w- w- what one of those instances in a day would be? Cuz like I understand like penny stocks like in the r- in the real world like something dips, right. you buy it, you expect a day or 3 days later for it to rise again, you sell it higher. Uh right. but when you time in cuz that's one of the things with uh the blockchain like you have these approvals like these double and triple checks and stuff like that and it takes a lot of time like what do you mean when you combine like arbitrage with like the the slow time of crypto in trading right. there
1: right and this yeah and that was what was actually very very interesting about it all is because um so Trading, trading platforms were slow. Uh, some of them were slower because of their API calls, actually, um, to stock tickers and stuff. They just were slow on their update for prices. And that was one potential. That was actually the biggest one. That was what gave us the most money. So basically, you know, and I'll, I'll actually call out specific platforms because they've such since then updated their, uh, you know, APIs that they're much faster. This, this isn't possible anymore unless it's done yeah. by machine. Uh, Poloniax was really slow. Um, it had everything that you could want on it as well, which is really nice, but it was slow. So if you notice that Poloniax Ethereum was trading at, you know, 680, or I guess at that point, Ethereum would be trading at like 900 on Poloniax, but on Coinbase, the price is like 980 and you're sitting on, you know, 25 Ethereum you could convert and and the price of Bitcoin on the two platforms was close because Bitcoin wouldn't have, it had wild swings, but it was rare to have swings that would, you know, tank in that quick of time. So Bitcoin was kind of your stable currency. Um, and you trade in your Ethereum for Bitcoin, trade that over to, uh, coinbase and then sell your bitcoin for ethereum and then send your ethereum back the problem and the reason we couldn't do this so many times in a day was because you had market caps on how much you could send back and forth as well as how much you could withdraw from your account in a day Mm -hmm. and uh so we would do the best we could with that and sometimes you could execute two or three arbitrages in a day um depending on the amount of money that you had hanging around and so mine, I would I think I would like perform about three arbitrages a day, and you know the highest one I had netted close to two thousand dollars, and that was I was actually at work for that.
2: That's crazy. That's a that's a whole part of it. I I was completely oblivious to like not just buying and selling when one is high and versus another, but if the two essentially stock markets, the two exchanges were at different prices, and you knew it took at least. You know, at the time you put in the order it's pegged there for you know whatever 4 hours or whatever it may have right. been you can you can capitalize on that like that's crazy
1: it was it was nuts and the problem with it and we we do like you know ET, if ethereum was the same between the two platforms but bitcoin was wider like had a wider spread we do the same thing it didn't matter what currency it was as long as it was tradable on both platforms um mm-hmm. but the problem was that bitcoin was slow to verify right and Platforms at that point didn't just trust your transaction right out of the gate and give you the money. They actually fully waited for the blockchain to sync, And it eventually started becoming really risky to do it because there were delays in the blockchain because there was so much power and so much everything behind it that while Ethereum should take 15 seconds to verify one block because that's the rate of the return and Bitcoin is 15 minutes ethereum ended up taking more like two hours to verify and bitcoin was all fucking day so if you wanted to do one you had to really guarantee that it was going to go and i got burned a couple of times uh from it like i i lost like a couple hundred dollars on four or five transactions and then i kind of stopped doing it after that um
2: that makes so much more sense to me when you talk about the verification times like i understood them and i knew they were slow but i didn't really understand why they were as critical until you just said that stuff so
1: yeah it was yeah and that was that was the thing when and so like there were other currencies once litecoin or ltc was announced to be traded on uh coinbase it was already on Poloniax. then you know your possibilities opened up it was also nuts because bitcoin had its hard fork it had a hard fork into Bitcoin Cash uh, because one of the mm-hmm. higher ups in the company disagreed with where the company was going and said, "F you guys, I'm going to go make my own coin and hard forked." And that was that. So anybody holding Bitcoin at the time was going to receive a large, you know, amount of bitcoin cash and i got wind of that i was following the twitter feeds i got wind of that and within five minutes immediately sold all of my ethereum bought as much bitcoin as i could muster which was only like (laughs) at the because it was so it was close to twenty thousand dollars so like i didn't get what
2: time frame is that because it was this is
1: all still around like january february of 2018 um or i guess maybe more like december of 2017 uh yeah because december is when it
2: is when it peaked and it hit 20k right and it was still it was my numbers are going to be off but i i I think it was around august when it was probably a quarter of that
1: right no that's exactly right and even in august from june to to august it it still skyrocketed Mm -hmm. i mean like It went from like two grand to like five grand, and then you know, from that five grand, obviously quadrupled. But it makes
2: sense because I, I remember hearing the, the cash split and like it splitting, and then it almost did, and then it didn't, and then it finally did, and some stuff like that. And that was probably around that fall of yeah, fall of 2017. Yeah, yeah, fall yeah, of yeah. 2017.
1: Okay, um, right. So I, I grabbed as much Bitcoin as I could to get some Bitcoin cash hanging around and i did and i just got that excuse me the hard fork happened i got my wallet for bitcoin cash and then i sold all of my bitcoin back for ethereum and then because i I wanted to keep it all on ethereum for the time and once uh coinbase announced that they were going to be selling bitcoin cash which was about december of 2017 uh i went and bought as much bitcoin cash as i could and when it first opened up and hit the floors, Bitcoin Cash immediately started selling for $2,600 a piece. I sold it all and immediately went back to Ethereum. And it then, (laughs) by that afternoon, went down to $1,400 a piece like I somehow hit the the (laughs) perfect point with that. Um, And I know I'm gloating a little bit, but man, like I, I'm still proud. Like I, I watched the feeds for everything. I was there the second you could trade and got in there and it took a long time to verify, but like I, it was well worth it.
2: Um, So did you know it was going to drop or yeah, why were you so bullish on Bitcoin cash? Uh,
1: I guess I was, I was bullish on it just because I didn't care. Um, like to me, like (laughs) this whole venture, this whole thing was just, I guess I already got back the money I invested. Uh, granted I had all my time to consider and potential money that I could have had or walked away with or whatever, but ultimately it was all winnings already. So even if I walked away with nothing, like it was one hell of a ride and I, you know, so I, I came out neutral no matter what. And so at that did point, you think I just,
2: Bitcoin cash was going to rise or you knew, knew going in, you were just going to be able to dump it as soon as it went public?
1: I was going to dump it as soon as I could. As soon yeah. as it went public, I was going to dump it because I saw, I saw it with Ethereum, uh, classic, which was a hard fork of Ethereum a long time ago, uh, which we made a lot off of that as well. Um, but as soon as Ethereum Classic was announced to be traded, or no, it was Litecoin, I'm sorry, it was Litecoin was to be traded on Poloniacs, I'm sorry, Coinbase, um, the price skyrocketed overnight. Like, it went ballistic, and I couldn't ride that wave. On the news, right? Yeah. Because crypto had news channels at this point. Yep. Like, I mean, you could search latest crypto news, and you'd get feeds from, you know, NBC, like, you know, Wall Street Journal, like all these crazy things that it's like, you know, what was once lurking in the dark corners of the internet as Bitcoin became a common household word and name. It was, it was the wild west of crypto and everybody knew about it. But so So I, yeah,
2: the equivalent of, of buying on the news and selling on the release,
1: right? That's exactly what it was. And I, I, that actually served me very well because I, I noticed that pattern there. And when things started to go south, I could hedge my bets on what Ethereum prices were going to be because I would, I you know, check the news feeds. Some news, you know, prices started to tank in 2018 and news would come out about like Ethereum going down, like, you know, could this be the end of crypto and all this good stuff or all this bad stuff. And I would immediately dump all of my Ethereum into cash, and then buy back uh, Ethereum as soon as I felt the price was the lowest point it was going to go. And that also served me rather well for a while. And sometimes I would just take the winnings and go back, you know, to whatever amount I had previously, and just said like, "All right, cool, that was like nice." Because I couldn't do arbitrage anymore, so that was my other way of of kind of making this profitable for myself when the whole mining operation itself wasn't that profitable but it was right. returning Ethereum that I could use for these transactions.
2: So and at this point, the entire, the entire warehouse is still spinning. Like all the, all the servers are right. spurred, All the GPUs are still spinning and just doing their thing and just not as much coming through.
1: Right. That's exactly right. It's, it's not as much coming through, but it's all doing its thing. Um, you know, and between the basement and the warehouse, it was, it was running and it, it did still, this still did take, I cannot explain to you how much time uh, it did take out of my life in order to maintain and get these things running. You know, if I needed to run an update of the operating system that we use to mine coins, it was and like I'd go there at seven forty-five after my son went to bed, and I wouldn't get out of there until. Two, three in the morning, and that would be like if it was a successful night, and everything was running afterwards, otherwise it was still going to be like all right, you're going back the next night to to try and finish up the machines that gave you trouble,
2: wow. or
1: I do it at home, you know, like the next night was like the the home version of it and stuff in the basement the home and game the home game right <laughs> i i'm I'm not kidding when I would say that I would go there at seven forty five or eight sometimes eight or nine if I was lucky, it would be nine. And I would not walk out of that damn warehouse until 2 a.m. And then I'd get up at 6.45 the next day in order to go to work.
0: And you were doing this all alone.
1: You were yes, in a warehouse this,
0: that is 100 degrees. And if you slipped and bumped your head, you'd be dead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the,
0: no work yes. I mean, but,
1: but honestly, yeah. Like that was, it was just every every rare once in a while, I would be able to convince a friend if I went there on a Friday night, to come with me just to keep me company during that craziness. And, you know, we'd get some beers or whatever. And I'd be, you know, working on shit while they were just kind they of hanging out in the warehouse. Yes, yeah, so there was a couple of spills, but I was fortunate <laughs> that wasn't on a machine, you know. And, yeah, like, it it was me. I think at some point, actually, when it was, I was still, like, setting things up. Like, probably fall of 2017-ish. I, there was a point of paranoia in there, like when it hit like one or two in the morning and you've been sitting on like a cement floor by yourself in isolation with a extremely loud white noise in a hundred degree room (laughs) for five hours, shit, shit got weird. Like shit got really weird. And I don't, I don't, I never passed out in there, but, but the Sasquatch did walk by the window. It was enough that I I would lock and bolt the doors. Like it was very strange. It was very yeah. very strange. And like it's just because like I'm I'm sitting in isolation for five hours in a super hot environment. You know I it was fall and I'd walk in there in like a tank top and shorts because I knew what I was getting into. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was it was crazy. But um.
2: So you then know, you get towards the new year, like big, Bitcoin hits like 20 K. Right. And then the everybody knows crosses about it. over and then things, things go down like 30%, then like 50% and then less than 50% in the course of like, what, three weeks, something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons that I attribute to it. Um, but ultimately I think the biggest one is taxes. Um, you know, there was this this gold rush in late 2017, and there was a little bit of dip in early, early December that people sold off their crypto for, like, Christmas cash. Um, but there was no dip previously, and everybody was in on it as much as they could be. And, you know, and then the news about, like, well, obviously it's so big that the federal government cannot ignore what this is.
2: Now the SEC guaranteed. is getting involved in his... Trying to figure out how to how to even peg it to the dollar or understand how it equates,
1: right? And the you know, and they classified it as depending on how you got it was actually interesting. If you mined it, it was considered an asset. If you bought it, it was considered an investment, which is really interesting. Just subject
2: um, to capital gains, and then subsequently right. the the losses in the immediate the sale. If you you sell it off, you can't just like in in stocks like there's a concept of of um like tax loss harvesting which is like if right i have a hundred dollars in walmart walmart goes down to 80 those aren't the normal numbers but then it's like i'm going to sell that by target because target's essentially the same stock it bounces back up to 100 i write that else as, off as a loss but then right. so much of the the crypto stuff was like selling high and like i'm selling this high then i'm buying this low and then Yeah, what's SEC and the tax commission stuff starts catching wind of that.
1: Right. Absolutely. And that that was that was the killer. As soon as a news you know, because there was even there was the news that like, all right, you had to file crypto on your taxes, right? But then as soon as Coinbase, which is the biggest trading platform, I mean it's the easiest one to use, everybody used Coinbase. Right. As soon as Coinbase announced that they were going to be releasing financial records for every individual's account. Uh, and that they would you know, assist us in how they should be reporting it and provide easy reporting tools for what your gains and losses were, but it was all gains. Uh, everything tanked. A- absolutely everything tanked. Everything went ballistic. And like you said, it was a matter of three weeks that Ethereum, you know, and I always use Ethereum as a benchmark because that's what I was watching. Right. Ethereum went from 1000 its peak was $1,400 to 600 500, you know, mm-hmm. there was. I mean, there were flash crashes that happened sometimes, but like it stuck around that point and it eventually went back up to 800. There was a little bit of a resurgence after all the tax shit settled. Um, so, but, so
0: I didn't really understand that. I didn't, uh, so you're attributing the crash of these cryptocurrencies to the US government needing you to report it? Yes. Okay.
1: Ultimately, yes. And part, you know and and that's not all of it. I think that was a majority of it, though, and not even not even just the need to report it because I mean, come on, plenty of people are just going to say like you know you can't you can't catch me or whatever. you know, plenty of people will be illegal about it, but
2: the same as gambling in Vegas, like right ah, we're, you know we forget that that was something we were supposed to add in.
1: Right, exactly. Like it's so does this money overlooked. go
2: directly into a Coinbase wallet?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. You would yeah, Coinbase would just when you'd sign up with them and you'd create a new wallet and then you could transfer your Ethereum into it if you had any mind, or if you bought some, it would just go and hang out in that wallet that Coinbase secured for you. Excuse Got me. it. And you could you could transfer those out at any given time to any address that you want. Or you could cash them out on Coinbase and then transfer that money into your bank account, which is what I would do normally. But
2: it was essentially, even though it it costs a fee, it was pretty much the easiest way to use. Like you can use Apple Pay to buy it, or like right, Samsung right. Pay or whatever. It was the easiest way to get pure cash USD into a coin or into exactly a wallet.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It was it was the easiest way because. I think at one point you could even use PayPal. Like, it was whatever. You know, whatever means you would normally pay for goods on a site, you could use that on Coinbase to get crypto. And because of that, it was the biggest platform. So, Coinbase announced that they were going to be reporting and releasing reports for not only all of 2017's transactions, but anybody who had a transaction that was over like $5,000 from 2016 and previously was also going to be released and you needed to fix your taxes if you had transactions in 2016 for that and that was not good either uh i remember a lot there's a lot of articles talking about that and a lot of people freaking out and if you went on forums to like look at how do i report crypto on my taxes specifically reddit they're like don't it, right it was like a a flooding of people of like i don't know what to do you know like i don't even have the crypto to sell to cover the cost of the taxes on my crypto
2: and for over a year for over 2 years we're making these big sells because so much of the sell was from crypto to crypto but selling high and then right. yeah you could you could have and then it, one of them crashes it could crash down and you still have uh, tens of thousands if not way more dollars in capital gains taxes right exactly
1: that you have to pay and so it was it was a big deal it was a really big deal and it was after that that things really started slowing down um ethereum kept hitting difficulty spikes and everybody else watched bitcoin because that's the big dog right like you keep your eye on the prize the thing that costs 20k a piece um that was you know, so popular that everybody's grandma asked about it. And when Bitcoin started to go down more and more media and news articles came out uh, denouncing it and also just reporting that it's going down. So the national news about it was just Bitcoin is crashing. So of course it's going to crash. And that obviously is the backbone of crypto uh, or at least was, and it caused everything else to be dragged down with it for the most part plus also there's a whole whole debacle of um what was called tether which is a currency based off of the united states dollar and gosh i can't don't quote me on this there is there was some debacle about tether and basically bitcoin uh like artificially fluctuating its prices or uh its amounts in order to increase or decrease tether or vice versa and basically like Allow shifts in trading for people that owed, owned a lot of that crypto to just make a huge profit. Um, basically, force arbitrage between things. Uh, I don't remember the specifics of it, um, but I remember that there was a lot of articles about that, and that also was right around the crash time. So, yeah, uh, things started crashing. Things started getting worse. Um, you know, we as a company tried to keep standing our ground. But our computer started failing, uh, you know, because they've been running 24-7 in 100-degree weather for over a year at this point. Well, almost a year at this point. And, yeah, machines started crashing. We, what was once 7.4 gigahashes at our max, became 6.9, became 6.2, became 5.9. And we just couldn't keep our machines up and running as much. I got busy. Um, I had a second kid. and everything started falling apart basically at July at the one year mark for us. And uh we didn't sell anything at that point. You know, we didn't sell any of our components or our parts or anything, but we did know that all right, things are crypto hasn't resurged at this point. Um things aren't looking good, and we started kind of coming up with more of an exit plan, I guess I should say. And we held it out as long as we could. But eventually we like fall and uh winter of twenty eighteen were selling off company reserves of crypto that we had uh and taking out personal loans out of our pocket in order to even just keep the lights on in the place. And eventually we started to shut down machines because we knew that all right, cool, things aren't returning um the rates that we expected it to at all anymore difficulties up nothing's looking good prices are crazy down and um it just wasn't worth it like we couldn't even break even and we were just running our machines dry if we kept going and so yeah late 2018 we closed our doors and shut down all the machines and started packing everything up and uh officially closed the company at the end of the year and that was that and it was now i'm stuck with a basement as I sit next to a <laughs> literal, a literal mountain of graphics. Literal boxes. mountain. I'm not kidding you. It is a literal mountain. It, it, it is, it is six giant MSI boxes that are stacked to the ceiling that are full oh, of God. the same, the same type of graphics card that we haven't been able to sell.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. There, there's really no asset besides the, the part the computer parts themselves and the coin that you still own right the parts are have so much wear and tear on them i remember trying thinking about building a pc just for fun around a similar time and that was a thing too it's just like there's you know the gpus get you know burned into the ground they get you know run so hard that there's not as much life left in them
0: or if you wanted to buy one new they're all inflate all the prices are so inflated because all that too, the yeah. of the world are buying them right that's uh, exactly I, right
2: so at this point, like and it's funny, another thing we we really never even got to was that like you kind of mentioned before, but Bitcoin barely has a personal use that you can use in the real world. No other coin even comes close even today, like at best, you saw you know computer types put their uh you know their wallet keys in to where you know you could pay somebody coins or like you know youtube people or twitch people or whatever so there's a little bit of like a tipping culture and i think especially right. that's where dogecoin kicked in it's because it was used as like a tipping culture in like reddit and different stuff but that, that's kind of the weird thing with blockchain is that the the technology is so sound but the coin was so speculative and hyped up up and down that even today like there's still so little you like it's hard it's hard to talk about a use for it because the big the big pipe dream was that it was completely decentralized from any government and then you you know you hear stories of like Argentinian government as the government collapses and revolts against itself and the Zimbabwe dollar where there are, you know, physical dollar bills just littered on the street that are, have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars written on them, but they're so worthless. They're not even worth the trash that are on the street. And so it's like, this is protection against that and emerging economies and all this stuff. And, you know, it showed that like it, it, they couldn't really hold their weight. And I'm trying to think today, like, you'll see Bitcoin a little bit on like some weird ATM or something like that. And in a few very select places, but I I'm still curious and I'm curious on your take of it, having lived and breathed it for that whole time. Like, is there still a world where a crypto coin has a personal use outside of, you know, just the dollar or any other world currency?
1: Right. I, I don't know about the future with it. To be honest um i think and this this is weird but i think the ability or even just the the factor that there was something that you could own and sell uh, as a reward for being a part of a blockchain is what killed the blockchain uh and its technology if if we focused on just the technology itself and not any sort of financial incentive around it, which granted I get why it's there. It's to, you know, let people actually or incentivize people to actually join the blockchain. But Mm -hmm. the factor that you could buy and sell things, it became more about what that coin was as opposed to what the technology was doing. And if we just didn't worry about the money part of it, I think that it would have taken longer. But at this point, we would have seen a full real purpose for blockchain Uh, whether that be like you said, file verification or even currency verification and uh, decentralizing and stuff like that. Like I, I think that there really, really, really would have been a purpose for it. I mean, hell, it could have even been medical records or something. Uh, You know, there, there's so many uses around it, but it's, I, th- I feel like it's almost forever tainted. It's scarred at this point by what happened in 2017 and 2018 with the crypto markets uh, that it might not ever recover from, even though the technology is amazing.
0: So do you see any any actual use of Ethereum beyond the speculation or crypto in general beyond the speculation? Like now that you're out of it and you can take a step back, like what do you see you see the future of this as besides you, you said just the idea of the blockchain being interesting,
1: right? I like any
0: like uses that you could think that this space is going into. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, to be
1: honest, I didn't think there ever really was. Mm-hmm you know, like I really was chasing butterflies. I was chasing dollar signs because waterfalls and waterfalls because it was all there, you you know,
2: go chasing those. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah, like honestly, like I, I, I guess i never really did have much of a hope of the future of it because there was nothing ever that was coming out for it. You know, like there it's just the only idea I've even had about what a blockchain could do that would be cool would be potentially to there's a there's a program that you can help uh decrypt like I think it's like frequencies from space or something Set to it like at home. Yes. And my idea was to use the blockchain to to basically assist with that, that is the only thing that I've ever even considered that could be a a, a good use of blockchain. But even then, this blockchain itself—that's not any one crypto that could right. just be a good usage of blockchain technology. Yeah, because I, I
0: I I fail to get my head around the use of people keep saying it, but I don't really understand uh, the use of blockchain and distributed ledger beyond beyond bitcoin and ethereum people say that cuz like okay medical records right? right but isn't the fact that it's a distributed ledger uh mean like every hospital will then have the ledger or then other people then have the le- like it's very right everybody has to have it everybody has to have it or there's there someone has to be maintaining it at a loss or being paid to maintain it right like it's i don't really i can't get my mind around that actually happening because it's not i don't really see an advantage over what we have now just because it is it can be more verified but no one's yelling out my medical records are not verified right right and that's the thing is yeah like while
1: verification is the uh, giant potential for blockchain and everything it's I like you said. Like I don't think that we have a problem with that. It doesn't solve anything. It's just a cool piece of technology that yeah, and most of these things
0: aren't distributed in a way. At least, at least as of now, most things have a centralized keeper of these things, and I don't think these centralized keepers care to start decentralizing things.
1: Correct. It's like because there's no benefit to it. Yeah. Right. Why on earth would they? you know uh, yeah verification is not an issue for them <laughs> so there's no right. benefit and for,
0: moreover if you want these things if these things are so huge like say it is something that has every person's every medical transaction that's ever happened right 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 Th- that would be so slow or you know blue cross blue shield would have, be spending millions of dollars a day in electricity right to keep this maintained
1: right exactly and yeah, and not even just an electricity, because you'd have to pay to basically have the data added into the blockchain, most likely, uh, because otherwise, where'd the money come from for the people that are actually doing the work to verify any of it? Right? It, right there's there, there's no there's no effing point to any of it. it it's monopoly money, and <laughs> yeah, like I, it, it's cool technology. It, might have a purpose in the future but what that is it's not clearly defined by any means it's a shiny rock right now and- yeah
0: it maybe has a future in a future where there are more more businesses are created with the idea of being decentralized which again i still haven't seen that cr- even crest of those things things that we've tried so far i don't remember i don't think i don't know if you guys remember diaspora it was like the a big twitter like it was like basically De- decentralized twitter okay where you could um have basically you could ho- it's ca- it was kind of like applying like the federation of email to something like twitter right so you could host a diaspora instance right okay. and you would be st- stew at stewhopkins.com or stew at hopkins terrariums.com and you, right. all your family could say be on hopkins terrariums right and then maybe there's a big one that is Say the, the new Facebook, right, the decentralized Facebook and say they're, you know, they have some name and a lot of people right. could be on that one. But YouTube can communicate the same way a email can, right? You could be Stu Hopkins at Gmail and I could be hello at com, and we could still communicate because we're using the same protocol, even though we're hosting everything on different servers.
1: Gotcha. Yeah.
0: So, but this was tried and I think it's a good idea, but it is the only thing that I've seen so far that actually uses federation and is an adopted web standard is something that was invented almost at the beginning of the internet, which was email. And nothing else has really done it.